Hey everyone, Pastor Kevin, listen, today I have a word from the Lord that I believe is going to be a blessing to your life, strengthen you in your journey. All of us need a shot in the arm in our faith, and I believe that word today is going to do that. Take the next few minutes, spread the word, tell your friends and family this message is coming on. I'm believing it's gonna change our lives, and I want you to hang on till the end. I'm gonna come back and pray for your needs, and I believe God's gonna touch today. Let's jump into this word and be blessed. I'll be back soon. Deuteronomy 11, verse 10. When you got it, say word. For the land which you go to possess is not like the land of Egypt from which you have come. How many know that's good news? <laughs> where God's taken you now that you're saved is better than where you were before he saved you. There you sowed your seed and watered it by foot. Listen to that. Like a vegetable garden. But the land which you cross over to possess is a land of hills and valleys, which drinks water from the rain of heaven. It is a land for which the Lord your God cares. Listen to this. The eyes of the Lord your God are always upon that land. From the beginning, this is good news, from the beginning of the year until the end of the year. How many know if he started it, he's going to see it all the way through? I said if he started it, he's going to see it all the way through. I want you, though, to look at that 11th verse where it says that it is a land of hills and valleys. I wish God would let me preach my last sermon before sabbatical on the hills. But today I want to preach the last sermon before my sabbatical on a message called the valleys. Help me, Lord, today in Jesus' name. Help them to receive it. Let a spirit of wisdom and revelation rest on us today. And everyone said in Jesus' name. I said everyone said in Jesus' name. Amen. God bless you as you're seated. The book of Deuteronomy literally means in the original, in the Hebrew, the word Deuteronomy means second law. It is the reinforcing and the re-giving of the law of God through the lips of Moses as he is approaching his transition from this earth to eternity. If you read the book of Deuteronomy, Moses pulls the leaders of Israel and the people of Israel themselves near his bedside, as it were. And he begins to rehearse the faithfulness of God. And he reinforces what he has already said in another place in the word of God. He reinforces it and begins to declare the law, the word of the Lord to the people again before he dies. And you know the story, Moses is now about to die. The people of God are getting ready to cross over into the promised land. What had intended to be a several day journey has now turned into a 40 year wilderness wandering, a nightmare of sorts. Moses is getting ready to pass on from this land and go to his eternal reward and before he dies, he pulls Israel near him and reminds them of the most important thing. And he says to them that this new life that you're getting ready to live is going to be experienced in a new land. You're not going to live in the place where you were before I delivered you. I'm going to bring you out with such conclusive deliverance that your future is going to look diametrically different than your past. I think sometimes we come to the salvation of our lives, the the transformation of our souls, and we think that new life in Christ is just a smidge better 
than the old life we had before we met Jesus. But if that's your testimony, you didn't get the life he was talking about. For the new life that is in Christ is old things passing away and behold, all things have become new. It's a new way of looking at life, a new way of thinking, a new way of living. It's, it's even a possession of a land that a people who were not a people who had nothing and were slaves of Egypt for over 400 years have now been given the title deed to a property and a piece of promised land that only God himself could give to Abraham and his descendants. I want you to know that when you come out of Egypt and you come out and you know this Egypt represents the old life and it represents our previous life and our life in sin and our life as a slave of sin. When you come out of that life, it is as if God opens up an entirely different kind of life for you and you have a title deed to a new future. You don't just get access to Egypt and going back and forth into the old life, but when you get born again, you actually have a promise over your life, a promise that God gives you and a promise that God makes you and, an, and, an, and a title to a land, a deed to a land, a deed to a life that is yours and your portion. And it is something that will not just bless you, but it will bless your children and your children's children and your children's children. Listen, and if the curse can be perpetuated from generation to generation, the writer of the Old Testament says that the blessing is even more potent than the curse. I think we get so curse-oriented in the church and we get so curse-minded in the church that we think our problems and the sins of our forefathers and mothers somehow chase us down and we're uncontrollably overtaken by what was in our family tree. Jack, I want to tell you, anything that chased you down has to stop when it finds the blood of the lamb and it will not be perpetuated to the net. Lord, have mercy. Uh-huh, if your great-great-granddaddy was a bootlegger and your great-great-grandma was a whoremonger and your great-great-grandma and your great-great-grandpa and your great-grandpa and your great-grandma and your grandpa and your grandma, if all of it was jacked up and it got to you and you put your faith in Jesus, I want to tell you that the blood of Jesus is powerful enough to jerk you out of Egypt and set your feet on a trajectory of increase and blessing. And when this thing hits you, if you'll let it, it'll hit your children. It'll break every tendency over your babies. It'll open up the windows of heaven over your house. God said, I'm giving you a land. The interesting thing is that when God made them the promise of the land, he also included in that promise several things that should have prepared them for where they were going. He talks about the giants in the land. He talks about the people that will withstand them, the resistance that they will encounter. God says it's a promised land, but you're still going to go take possession of it and you're gonna to have to fight for it. So when we come to the whole issue of promised land, we have Christians who treat the promised land as if it is some easy, some, some pie in the sky thing. And we don't understand that there is resistance even in the land God promised us. Resistance is not an indication that you don't own the land. Resistance is a prophetic sign that somebody's getting ready to get their tail kicked. And it's not you. 
if an enemy has the courage to stand on what belongs to you, God has the power if you'll trust him to drive enemies out that have what belongs to you and your family. Some of you are still hung up on tail kicked. That's what's happening. Greater is he that's in you. Than the, some, there's some enemies that just need to be reminded of the power of God. And any, any enemy that is standing on your property will only last as long as you don't trust God for the victory. The moment you begin to let God work through you, that enemy has to pack up and take off because he can't keep what belongs to you. The question is not how big is the giant. The question is, why is he standing on property that has my name on it? The question is not how big is your giant. The question is, why is he standing on land that belongs to you and your family? Why is the enemy standing on jobs? And why is the enemy standing on future? And why is the enemy standing in places that you and your family were called to occupy? Stop it. Stop allowing the enemy who's already been told, you've already been told you would win. Stop allowing the enemy to intimidate you from occupying a promise that God has put on your life. The promise of God are not let's wait and see. The promises of God are yes and amen. God is not a man that he should lie or the son of a man that he would change his mind. He knew the enemy before you got to the, that, that field and I want you to know he already had in mind how he would take the giant down. He's just waiting on you to believe greater is he that is in me than the one living in this world. So it's your... I, your promise. You gotta make up your mind if you want it or not. Well, we'll wait and see. You'll never have it. You will never have it if you live your life waiting and seeing. You will have it when you possess it. And you start saying, I, that promise was made by God and bless his name, I'm going to stand on what he said. Within the promised land that God made a promise to you about is this Passage I read to you today. Moses tells Israel, you're getting ready to inhabit a promised land. But this is not the kind of land that you came out of. This is not a land like Egypt. In Egypt, this is interesting language, but it says, this is not like Egypt. You, you don't plant your seed and water it with your foot. And here's what he's talking about. You read that, you think, what is he talking about? Here's how they learned to water their seed in Egypt. They literally tilled the ground and then they took their foot and they drug a rut in the tilled soil and they would drag their foot and created a ditch so that water would flow down into the ditch. Watch, down into the ditch and he would water the seed. The water would come, they had to, they had to work and God said, watch this, God said, I'm going to let you know now that this land I'm taking you to is not the land I brought you out of. In that land, you could control your harvest with your own hard work. But in the land you're going, you're gonna have to actually walk in covenant with me. Because I'm gonna send rain on those who honor my name. 
I'm going to send rain on those who honor my word. In Egypt, you don't have to depend on me. You can have the water source of Egypt, drag your foot, create your own little ditch, and Egypt's water will fall on your seed. But in the promised land, there'll be no Egypt to depend on. In the promised land, you've got to obey me and honor my word. And if you'll do that, I'll open up the heavens over your life, and I'll send rain, early and latter rain, and I'll make sure your seed stays germinated and your harvest stays plentiful. I want to tell you this, the promised land, you will not survive in it and thrive in it if you don't have a relationship with God. God is not looking for people who want his blessings but not his face. But I didn't get no help on that. God is not a genie in the bottle. He is not your bellhop. He is not your concierge who makes all of our dreams come true. He is a God who wants to see his children's face. He wants to hear their voice. He wants to have relationship with them. He wants to know he's honored, revered, feared, walked in honor of. And when we honor him and we heed his voice and we obey his word, God says, I'll open up the heavens and I will water your seed and I will protect your future, and I will protect your harvest. But if you ever forget about me, if you ever get so blessed that you forget I'm the one that did it, I'll close the heavens up. Why would God do that? Is he mean? No, he's not mean, but he never wants you to succeed in a place and learn how to live without depending on him. God never brings blessings so that you get to disconnect from him. He'll bless you and make you the head and not the tail, but do not forget God. Look at somebody, I tell somebody, I'm not gonna forget him. Come on, wake your neighbor up, tell him I'm not gonna forget him. He can bless me with all he wants to bless me with, but I'm still going to church on Sunday. He can bless me with a new house and a new car. Y'all looking at me funny. Some of y'all about to get a new job and a new house and a new car. You're about to get a jet ski and a new set of golf clubs and a new hat and a new watch. And some of you sisters about to get some new Gucci high heels. Don't you ever let God bless you with something that you forget. It was the Lord that blessed you. I'm still gonna shout. I don't care what the name brand of the, suit is. I'm going to shout. I'm going to praise him because it's the Lord who gives it to us. The worst thing that ever happened to some people is they got blessed. I'm going to move on, but I'm feeling good as I meander and I meddle through this message right now. It, for some people, all it took was a new house and they stopped going to church. I'm going to walk around here. Some people got them a new car and they stopped praying. Some people got them a bigger job and a bigger salary and they don't need God anymore. But there's some, of, oh, Shabbat, there's some of us in this room that know it's the Lord that did it. It was God that blessed me. I'm not even educated enough to... That's why I'm coming with a praise on Sunday. That's why I dance. That's why I shout. That's why I lift up my voice because I was broke, busted, and disgusted. But the Lord took me out of Egypt and put me in a promise and I'm gonna praise the Lord. Touch three people tell them he's been too good to me. My God, he's been too good to me. I didn't get here on my own. I didn't drag my foot and create this blessing. I'm blessed coming in and I'm blessed going out. I'm blessed in the city, I'm blessed in the field. It was the Lord that did it. Some people can forget him. 
but I can't. See little Jeremiah down there on the front row? Remember when he was born? I told you the story all the time. He wouldn't eat nothing. Nothing but the most expensive formula in the store. Back then, before inflation, it was $40 a can. It's like 70 now. And we fed him everything. Mayfields, 2% whole milk. We fed him everything. Similac, he wouldn't take none of it. He was bougie. <laughs> he wanted the most expensive kind of formula. And back then I was making $24,000 a year living on Wick which is just barely not food stamps, kinda is like food stamps. I remember going and getting cheese and milk and I was checking out and I not making any money. I couldn't hardly pay the bills. And here he is wanting steak. I come to and I'm gonna preach this message cause it's my last one for four weeks and I'm gonna holler. I went home, I told Devin it's tithe time. And if we pay our tithes, I don't know how I'm gonna buy his formula. And I said, but I've already paid the tithes, so it's already a done deal. She said, you paid them? I said, I paid them. I said, we're gonna trust God. This is the truth before heaven. I woke up the next morning and a crate of Nutramagen was sitting on my front porch. Enough Nutramagen to feed him through all of his childhood nearly. I don't know where it came from to this day. It was the kind of crate that had to have a forklift. Somebody said, who did it? I don't know who you think did it, but I know who did it. Yes, I serve a God that'll take you into a promise. He'll bless you coming in. Yes, he will. He'll bless you going out. Somebody said, what did you do after you saw it? I danced in the front yard. I danced all the way to church that morning. I'm still dancing 22 years later because I serve a faithful God. Somebody shout, yeah. But that is not what I'm preaching here. He is a good God, but don't forget about him. I tweeted this out a few weeks ago. I see a lot of people forgetting God while they enjoy the life he gave them. That's good preaching, Pastor. It's good. They forget God while they enjoy the life he gave them. I will not forget the Lord. And he says, I'm gonna bless you. I'm gonna give you a blessed land. But it's gonna be one with hills and valleys. Boy, I wish he'd let me preach on hills today. But I found out that the land and the life he gives us is at time full of valleys. And I think the Lord's been talking to us. He's been speaking through what I've been sharing with you. He's been speaking it to me, and I hope somebody's catching it. There's a need for a perspective change among the people of God. Because we so often misinterpret challenges and trials and seasons, and yea, even valleys. And I, I was thinking about God giving the people of God a promised land Filled with hills and valleys. Boy, I like the hills. Anybody else like the hills? 
Anybody else like those seasons where it's all happening like you expected and prayers are answered and bills are paid and kids are holy and <laughs> wife is nice and <laughs> and uh, it's just a great season. Heals. <laughs> but we curse valleys. And yet from Genesis to Revelation, I see the people of God being a people who had to figure out how to navigate, not just on hilltops, but in valleys. God even gave them the, the blessing of telling them it was coming before it happened. He said, don't be shaken by this, but you're going to inhabit a land filled with hills and valleys. Valleys. A valley is a place that forms between two mountains. We don't catch this as we talk about valleys, but the reality is for every valley, there are two mountains, which means we should experience the mountaintop twice as much as we do the valley. So I got good news before I start this message. You will live on the mountain twice as much as you live in the valley. The better days will be greater than the hard days and you will laugh more than you cried. It's like a super clap when I do that. But the reality of it is God will often trust you enough put you in a valley. And when I look from Genesis to Revelation, I could preach on a bunch of different valleys. Psalm 84 talks about the valley of weeping, the valley of Baca, B-A-C-A. They went through it every year as pilgrims and they went through it and God would turn supernaturally, turn that valley into a place of blessing. I could talk about the valleys of breakthrough like God gave David when he stood in the valley of Elah and he fought a man named Goliath. We often look at that with the wrong perspective. Again, it's about shifting your perspective because for, his, for years, historically, we have, I think, even I have participated in the era of the teaching. We have taught how unlikely it was for David to win, but we didn't read that story right. If you read that story right, David is in a no-lose situation. How is that so? Because the bigger the obstacle, the bigger the enemy, the easier it is for a boy who knows how to sling a rock to hit the target. I mean, if it was a little giant, David might have to really concentrate. But the bigger he is, David knew this is in the bag. I mean, this is a done deal. You come to me with a spear and a sword, but this thing is a setup. The weapons of our warfare are not carnal, but are mighty through God for the pulling down of stronghold. I thought it was actually going to be a fight, but I know how to kill you. Some people step on the battlefield with the giant and say, how can we win? David stepped on the battlefield and said, how can I lose? I could talk about that valley. But, but I, I started thinking about some other valleys, valleys like the Valley of Bones. Who goes to a Valley of Bones? Nobody. God puts you there. Nobody signs up to be Ezekiel. Choose me. I want to go pastor the Valley of Dry Bones Church. Nobody does that. Nobody does that. The text says in Ezekiel 37, God dropped him off in the valley of dry bones. I am glad about one thing, Bart. It says it was an open valley. 
I can't imagine being dropped off in a valley of dry bones and it being a closed valley. How many are thankful that if God brought you to a valley, there's always a door out if he ever puts you in it? You do not need to get in your mind that you're going to stay there forever. The valley is not where you're going to live. It's where you're passing through. And so he brings him to the valley of bones. And there are some people in this room today in that kind of valley. I don't have time to preach it like it deserves to be preached. But the the gist of the valley of dry bones is that God trusted the prophet and the word in the mouth of the prophet was God's word. He trusted the prophet enough to speak to things that didn't want to listen. It's one thing when God drops you off and everything has ears to hear. It's another thing when drops you, he drops you off in a, th- in a place with, with bones. Bones don't have ears, which means it doesn't have the mechanism of hearing. You don't even think that bones want to hear what you have to say. And yet God will put a word in your mouth so strong that it will cause you to speak to stuff that doesn't even want to listen because if you declare the word, God will put an ear on a bone to hear the word of the Lord. I want to tell you right now that some of you are in the midst of a valley. While you're passing in your promised land, you have encountered a valley that is full of dry bones. And you are saying to yourself, how do I change this situation? I need to get out of the valley. No, Sister Ye Ye, you do not need to get out of the valley. God put you in that valley. Oh yes, thank you Lord. God put you in that family. He put you on that job. He put you in that neighborhood. Not because it was perfect, but because the word of the Lord in your mouth is going to jerk that thing into alignment and God is going to work through you in a valley of dry bones. Stop complaining about bones. Stop seeing dry bones. The lost see dry bones. When they look at Gen Z, they see dry bones. But the redeemed look at Gen Z and we don't see bones. We see an army getting ready. When them sons and daughters started prophesying today, and somebody said, oh, that was so cute. That wasn't cute. That was prophetic. That was powerful. There was more oil on every one of those sons and daughters than most churches in Chattanooga this morning. I want to tell you right now, I lay my head down at rest at night, not because I've got confidence in me, but because I've got confidence that God is not finished with Gen Z yet. And if we will speak the word of the Lord, go into your child's bedroom. When they leave and go to the mall and they're out for a minute, take olive oil. Y'all think I'm crazy now. Go in that room and put, you don't have to bathe nothing in it. Just take a little dab, put it over the doorpost, put it under their pillow, uh put it under their sheets, whatever you gotta do. You tell the devil, you see this oil devil? Back up off my children. In the name of Jesus, I speak life over my children. Now some of y'all look at me like, oh, I don't know. Uh Uh-huh, sister, sophistication sitting out there. You don't have enough faith to mix with what I'm telling you. And so you gonna let the enemy keep on running havoc in your house. But at some point, you will get tired of the dead, dry bones and you will start opening up your back on them. You will start opening up your mouth. And when you speak the word of the Lord, it'll shift that whole environment. It'll shift that whole atmosphere. He spoke the word of the Lord to the bones. And when he said the word of the Lord in the valley of bones, there was a noise. 
Read the text. Said there was a noise. Oh, Lord. And the bone came together. And the hip bone was connected to the leg bone. And the backbone was connected to the hip bone. And the arm bone was connected to the elbow. And the elbow was connected to the hand or something. Yeah. And it all started lining up. Uh, when the prophet started prophesying, I come out shy. It got in line. And when the preacher starts preaching right, the black church will get connected to the white church. And the Hispanic church will get connected to the Chinese church. And y'all don't like this, but I'm going to preach this. I'm gonna pre we're going to preach it here till Jesus comes or until we see every color come together, every nationality come together. I'm telling you, the reason we're so divided is because we keep preaching to our kind of bones and we tell them the kind of sermon that our bones want to hear. But when you preach the word of the Lord, it'll call people out of every kind of race, every kind of culture. God, send your kingdom. Let the wind blow on your people. Shout all over the church. I'm up here hollering, I'm going on sabbatical. I need to chill out here. Valley of Bones, I could go on. Uh -huh. Y'all don't wanna talk about this one, but I could talk about the Valley of Betrayal. Sometimes you will go through that valley. You know, I, I, was, I came to this one in my study and I thought, how am I gonna end this one with breakthrough? No breakthrough, lots of pain. Valley of betrayal. Jesus went through the Kidron Valley, climbed up a small hill just to the left of the Kidron Valley called a Mount of Olives, found himself in a garden called Gethsemane, set up by the person, one of those closest to him, betrayed at the hands of Judas for 30 pieces of silver. He walked through the valley of betrayal. I'm preaching this to you not to prophesy it over your life, but to explain something. If you went or are going through that valley, you are not alone. Well, what's wrong with me? What did I do wrong to be betrayed? What did I do wrong for that person that I was in business with to become a bad business person? What did I do wrong for that person in my family to turn their back on me? What did I do wrong for that person that I was in ministry with to hurt me like they did? What, what did I do wrong? Well, in order for you to answer that question, you gotta go look at Jesus. What did he do wrong? The answer is, while you're thinking, nothing. In fact, it was because he was a holy man that Judas betrayed him. This is crazy. Peter in Matthew 16 looks at Jesus when Jesus is saying, I'm going to have to die. I'm going to a cross to die. And Peter said, oh, no, you ain't. I ain't going to let you die. I'm going to protect you. You're not going to the cross. And Jesus turns around and looked at him and says, Satan, Get behind me. Peter was trying to keep Jesus from the cross. And Jesus called Peter Satan. Fast forward to Luke 22. Judas sets him up for the cross, and Jesus kisses him and calls him friend. 
rewind. The man trying to keep him from suffering is called Satan, and the man trying to set him up for the cross is called a friend. And I looked at that and said, that don't even make any sense until you understand that before you can have a table spread, you gotta first get into the presence of an enemy. And you got to be careful how you interpret people. Sometimes people who you think are your friend because they want to keep you from the cross are really an, they're an inside enemy because the fact of the matter is Jesus had to go to the cross so that he could suffer, so that he could inherit the joy that was set before him. And sometimes people who betray you are not just enemies. They are actually assistants in the blessing of God that is getting ready to the people you've cursed there's a wife in here there's a woman in this place you were divorced you divorced and you got your husband left you and for 20 years you have been laying in a puddle of your tears and your heart is full of bitterness over somebody that was unfaithful and betrayed you 20 years ago I'm going to tell you what you're about to do I saw this in prayer you're about to go buy a thank you card you need to get healed and go buy a thank you card. Write it out to that loser and do it real sweet. Say, I just want to thank you. I, I came to a place where I'm finally over your foolishness and I want to thank you for betraying me and turning around and walking out on me because when you walked out, he walked into my life and I need to thank you. That, uh -huh, you meant it. I feel like I'm preaching right here. You meant it to destroy destroy me but I want you to look at God 20 years five years three months after it God is about to rip the bitterness out of your soul and he's about to give you a garment of praise and instead of the devil burying you in bitterness God is going to raise you up with a measure of joy you've never known before Y'all don't want to go, I don't want to go through the valley of betrayal. Nobody likes that feeling. Can you imagine, watch this, I told you this some time ago, but I was reading that text about David and Absalom. I don't usually read that. It said that David walked through the valley up the Mount of Olives to leave the city of David because Absalom was chasing him out of the city. And it hit me. David walked the same route Jesus walked as he was leaving the city through the Kidron Valley up the Mount of Olives. David and Jesus walked the same path. Who do we think we are? Well, I'm saved. Sanctified, filled with the Holy Ghost. I'm a member of the church. I will never be betrayed. You were crazy. Well, I've never been betrayed. Keep living. I don't need this sermon. I'm not in a valley. File it. And send me an offering after you go through it and need it. Because the valley of betrayal is intended to crush you in, in bitterness. This is why Gethsemane was crucial for Jesus. He could have called 10,000 angels. 
He's hanging between heaven and earth and exposed before the world and has more authority, naked and full of shame, hanging on a cross than any man who ever had a suit of armor on. He could have called 10,000 angels and he doesn't do it. Do you know what he says while he's hanging on the cross, staring at those who have stabbed him, beaten him, crowned him with thorns, lied on him? I believe in the distance he could see some of the 12 hiding, abandoning him. And what does he say to all of those standing there who are hurting and betraying him? Father, forgive them, for they know not what they do. That can mean so many things. We preached it over the years over what that means, but I think God, Christ was saying, Father, forgive them. They meant it for my harm, but they don't know what they're doing. <laughs> oh, it's Friday now. Y'all better enjoy this because Sunday's coming. Demons are howling and hissing. Woo, Satan throwing a party. Hell going crazy. Uh, Y'all better enjoy it. Eat it all up. Sunday's coming. And when I come out Sunday, I'm not coming out tiptoeing in the tulips. I'm coming out with the keys to death, hell, and the grave. I'm coming out alpha and omega, the beginning and the end. I'm coming out with feet like brass and eyes like fire. I'm coming out to let the devil know you killed me on Friday. But hell couldn't have me. Death couldn't kill me. The cross couldn't keep me down. Pilate said, I washed my hands. Pilate, he consented with the crowd. I'm telling you, at the end of the day, nobody took his life. He laid it down. And he said, if I lay it down, I've got the power to pick it up again. The last valley, I got to move on here. My sabbatical's calling. I'm kidding. The last valley is the valley. The first valley is the valley of bones. The second valley you'll go through sometime in your life is the valley of betrayal. But the, the last valley is the valley of blessing. It almost sounds like an oxymoron, the valley of blessing. But it's found in 2 Kings chapter 3, verse 16 through about 24. There is a story told of a king named Ahab who made an alliance with Jehoshaphat, the king of Judah. And the Moabites came and surrounded the people of Israel. And they were surrounded in a valley and had no place to go. Not only were they surrounded in a valley, but it was during the time of a famine. And the text says in the second book of Kings, the third chapter, that their beasts were all thirsty and dying. And people are, uh, their lives are being threatened. This is all in second Kings chapter three. Their lives are being threatened because of malnourishment and dehydration. And so they're in a bad situation and they're in a valley and now they're surrounded by an enemy. Mm -hmm. And Ahab was wicked, but Jehoshaphat was righteous. Now, if I had time, I would preach about the ignorance of Jehoshaphat getting connected to a wicked king like Ahab. Jehoshaphat was living a good life and was blessed, but then Ahab come and said, be my friend. And Jehoshaphat said, okay, we'll do this together. And Jehoshaphat should have never gotten into that relationship with Ahab. Because if you show me your friends, I'll show you your future. And so he got connected with the wicked king, and now all of a sudden he's not blessed and in a place of peace. Now he's surrounded by his enemies and running for his life. Uh -huh, and I don't have time to preach that, but you can look at your neighbor and tell him, be, get, be careful who you connect with. 
But the Bible says that they ask the question, is there not a prophet from God? We are surrounded by the enemy. We are in a valley and everything connected to us is dying. Famine, drought. What are we gonna do? And Elijah, Elisha rather, comes to the people of God. The first thing Elisha says is to the wicked king Ahab. He said, I wouldn't even talk to you if it weren't for Jehoshaphat standing beside you. Lord have mercy. But he tells Jehoshaphat something crazy. You are in a valley, it is a famine, you are surrounded by enemies. You ready for this divine prophetic strategy that sounds so deep? You are in a valley, surrounded by enemies, getting ready to die. I'm getting ready to give you a download of how you're gonna get out of this. It's gonna blow your mind. You ready? Here we go, you ready? Dig ditches in this valley. Now y'all look at me like y'all so spiritual. I know y'all like, ooh, I'll do whatever God says. If I'm about to die and I'm hungry, I ain't about to dig no ditches. I mean, isn't there something brighter? <laughs> something smarter to do? Is it, shouldn't we like turn these shovels into weapons? I mean, we get ready to die. And God says, no, 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 no. You dig ditches in this valley because I'm about to fill the ditches with water. Here's what I, I, I got. I, all that was an introduction. Here's what I want to tell you about the valley of blessing. The valley you are in is the place where water runs together. Water does not gather on the side of a hill. Water looks for the lowest place. And there's somebody living in a valley who thought you have to get out of this valley to get to the refreshing. And God told me to tell somebody today, the valley you're in is the place that's about to catch the rain that's going to fall. Let me say it like this. You wouldn't have gotten the water had you been on the mountain in this, next, in this past season. But if you've come through or are in a valley, I want to tell you right now, that place you are in is the gathering place for the blessing that is about to hit your life. And there's only one prerequisite for you to get the blessing while you're in this valley is to dig a ditch. Look at somebody and say, neighbor. Talk to them like you love them and like you feel with the Holy Ghost. Say, neighbor. It's time for you to get a shovel and prepare for what's next. The only way you will miss what God is about to do in your life is if you don't make room for it. God said to the prophet and through the prophet, it's not even going to look like it's raining where you are, but I'm going to let it rain upstream and I'm going to let the valley you're in pull it in your direction. All you need is a little bit of gravity for the rain to be falling down the road and it to get to your house even when you don't see the rain. Somebody said, what does gravity have to do with this? I call it grace, the gravity of grace. It can be raining upstream, but grace will pull that blessing into the direction of those who feel like they're at a low place in their life. And I know I'm in the book because the 
Bible said he will never despise or reject those who are of a broken and contrite spirit. We got too much pride in the church and we think we're entitled to what's next. I came here today to tell you I don't deserve I don't deserve what is about to happen in my life. You don't deserve what is about to happen in your life but grace is about to pull it in your direction and the devil is going to wish he never messed with you and put you in a valley in the first place. You better dig a ditch because what God is about to do is fill every space you create with miracles, signs, and wonders. A spirit of a spirit of woe W-H-O-A is about to hit your life. Touch three people and tell them woe. Woe. Look at them like this. Open your eyes real big and go, whoa, I didn't see that coming. What if God is about to bless you with something you did not even see on the radar? What if God is about to open up the windows of heaven and bless you with something that wasn't even on your radar? Sister Yeye didn't prophesy it. Brother Flip Flop didn't see it coming. Your haters told you it wouldn't happen. But in three days, you're going to start singing, look what the Lord has done. God, God is about to rain. And you better dig a ditch. You better make room for it. Slap somebody, tell them, prepare. Get ready. Dig a ditch. Open up your mind. Get your spirit in a receiving position. Oh. Somebody shout like it's about to come to your house. I said somebody shout like it's about to hit your life. It don't even have to be in your atmosphere. It don't even have to be on your radar. It's happening down the road, but grace is pulling it in your direction. Stay standing, I'm through preaching. Watch this, I'm through. Let me give you this one little scripture. I preached it before, years ago. First Kings 20. There was a king named Ben-Hadad from Syria. He went to Jehoram, the king of Israel. Uh, pardon me, he went to Ahab, king of Israel. He told Ahab, I'm coming tomorrow to take your silver, your gold, your wives, and your children. And that spineless, wicked king Ahab said, okay, you can come and take it. The next day, that wicked king from Syria, King Ben-Hadad, said to Ahab, not only am I going to take your gold and silver and wives and kids, I'm going to walk through your whole house and take anything I want. Touch your neighbor and tell your neighbor, say, neighbor, don't let the enemy in your house. See, the devil will tell you he's coming to your house to take what he wants, and I found out he will unless you say to the enemy, you're not welcome in this house. So tell your neighbor one more time. Say, neighbor, don't let the devil in your house. Watch this. When Ben-Hadad heard those words, he said, okay, we're going to go down and fight. They went down to fight against the people of Israel. 
And God gave Israel the victory. And one day they chased the Syrians off. And here's what the Syrians said. We're coming back next year. And one of the counselors of Ben-Hadad said, the only reason, can you put that up on the screen? First Kings chapter 20, verse about mm, six maybe, I think. Let me see. It's up here. I wrote it down. My memory is good. First Kings 20, verse 26. See, I knew there was a six in there somewhere. I forgot 20. First Kings, oh yes, this is it. Okay, now go to verse number 28. And the, so you got this wicked king, Ben-Hadad, and he's got a council that said, the only reason Israel defeated us is because their God is the God of the mountain, the hills. But if we get them in a valley, we'll defeat them because their God is not the God of the valley. Woo, I feel like preaching. <laughs> a man of God came and spoke to king of Israel, Ahab, and said, thus saith the Lord, because the Syrians have said, that the Lord is God of the hills, but he is not the God of the valleys. Therefore, I will deliver this great multitude in your hand, and you shall know that I am the Lord. In other words, God said, just because the devil was trash-talking and said, I am the God of the hills, but not the valleys, I'm getting ready to suck them into a valley just to show them Y'all don't hear me. Can I tell you why you're in a valley? You are in a valley not to expose you. You are in a valley as a setup to your enemy. God said, I couldn't give you victory on a mountain because everybody thought that just because you were on the mountain, you got the victory. God said, I'll let you get down in the middle of the lowest valley you ever been. I am talking to somebody right now. In the lowest valley you ever been through, I didn't set you up. I set your enemy up. So that when I give you the victory, you will know I am the Lord, your God. God would have gotten glory on a mountain, but not like he's about to get glory with the victory you're going to receive in this valley. And if you dig ditches, blessing is going to fill every ditch. You won't see it coming, God said. You won't see the rain gather, but gravity, grace. Lift your hands if I'm talking to you right now. God, I don't like the valleys, but I'm thankful that you're the God of the valley, just like you're the God of the mountains of my life. And I'm asking you now for somebody, if you're in a valley, I know everybody's not, but if you're in a valley and you needed this word, it was for you, lift your hand right now. Lift your hand right now. Don't be ashamed. If there's somebody with their hand up near you right now, reach over and lay your hand on their life. Just lay your hand on their shoulder gently. Come on, we're going to pray for one another before we go today. Reach over and lay your hand on your neighbor's shoulder. For the God of the mountain, still God in the valley, when things go wrong, He'll make them right. And the God of the good times 
is still God in the bad times. The God of the day is still God in the night. Come on, lift those hands. Keep praying for them one more time. For the God of the mountain is still God in your valley when things go wrong he'll make them right and the God of the good times is still God in your bad times. The God of the day. He's still God in the night. Father, don't move us out of the valley. Send the blessing to the valley we're in today. I cancel every, I heard the Holy Ghost in prayer this week. Some of y'all feel like you're about to die. And the Lord said, cancel the casket order. This is not about to be a funeral. It's about to be a celebration of a God of blessing. Somebody needs to cancel the casket order. Boy, I got some old songs in my mind right now. We used to sing this song that said, I've got one more river to cross. I've got one more mountain to climb. I've got one more valley that I've got to go through, leaving my troubles behind. I've got one more battle with the devil, and I know he'll understand. I'm going through with Jesus, hallelujah, holding to his nail-scarred hand, holding to his nail-scarred You know that song. Josh knows that song. Seth and Julian are going to talk about it at lunch today. <laughs> hallelujah. Listen to me. If you're in a valley, through is very important. Don't stay in it. You're going through it. Somebody shout and give God praise. I'm going going to leave you with this. I believe this prophetically for this house and for your life and for my life and for my family and for your family. It is a season to dig ditches. July is a season to dig ditches. Hear me. Hear the word of the Lord. Something is coming August through December of this year. I am not just speaking hope so, maybe so. I am convinced that the Spirit of God is about to fill every place we create for his blessing, his presence, his goodness. And if you will make room for what's coming, God is going to blow your mind. At least five different people have come to me, leaders in our church, prophetic voices connected to this house, and they keep saying to me, something's going to fall in the fall. It's going to fall in the fall. I want you to get your heart in a posture of position and preparation. You cannot leap. You cannot limp into August talking about, oh, oh, no, no, no. Get, take July. Get your shovel out and start digging ditches. Get your expectation elevated. Come on. Get your faith rising. Get your, get your expectation. Well, what if something 
something doesn't happen, I'm telling you it's going to happen and you better get your life ready for it. It's going to happen for those who will make room for it. If you'll make, slap somebody, tell them prepare, prepare, prepare. Prepare because I believe it's going to happen and I believe it's the prophetic word of the Lord over our life. Blessing and increase, substance and abundance, relational blessing. Things are going to happen in your job, for your house, for your family, for your body, for your mind, for your in-laws, for the people connected to you, for your kids, your grandkids, for your job, for your co-workers. Your whole neighborhood is about to know the hand of the Lord is on your life. I'm telling you, God is about to bless you and you're not going to see this in your atmosphere, but God said if you'll prepare for it on the earth. I'm going to send it and grace is going to pull it in your direction. If you receive it, shout for five seconds and put some claps on it right there. Come on. Six o'clock tonight. Get back to church. You don't want to miss it. I love you. Go in the peace of the Lord. Hallelujah. Hey family, I believe God is touching hearts right now. The preached word of God causes the lost to come to Christ. I believe someone's watching. Maybe you feel a million miles away from God. Maybe you've been in church. Maybe you've never been in church. Listen, I want to tell you that it doesn't matter where you are in life right now. If you want Christ to save you, no matter what you've done and no matter how long you've been doing it, if you'll turn your heart to him, he'll save you right now. I want to lead you in a prayer. Say, dear Lord, I confess that I'm a sinner. And Jesus, I'm asking you to save me from my sin. Save me from myself. Lord, come in and be the king of my life. I give you my past, my present, and my future. And I'm asking you, Lord Jesus, to rescue me today. In Jesus' name, by faith, I believe that I'm saved and a child of God. Amen. Listen, friend, I know that's a simple prayer, but I believe with all of my heart, salvation is as simple as turning from sin and turning to Christ. If you did that today, I want to pray that God give you a strong Bible-believing church. I want you to go to KevinWallace.tv, learn how the resources that we have can help you in your journey. Listen, we want to pray for you. Drop us a line on the prayer request. Let us know you gave your heart to Christ, and our team's going to be praying for you this coming week. You're going to get stronger. You're going to grow deeper in your love for God. You're going to become everything He put you on this planet to be. I'm praying for you. I love you. I'll see you next week. God bless you.